Okay, hi everybody. So I'm super excited. Today we have a tea chat with Barb Ning Nangle. Is that who he's Nangle? Okay. Yeah. Um, so I had the pleasure of meeting Barb, I don't know, that's probably just like a couple of months ago. And she's the queen of boundaries. Okay. So um I think in my first tea chat that I invited Tracy on, we talked a lot about safety in the body and creating that safety. And safety is important first, because if you don't feel safe in your skin, then you won't really know how to feel and know what you need and set boundaries and um, step more into who you are. So boundaries are a really huge part of, of embodiment and your authentic self. So, I wanted to just read a little, um, give a little bit of background on Barb. So Barb is the founder and CEO of Higher Power Coaching and Consulting and the host of podcast Fragmented to Whole, Life Lessons from 12-Step Recovery. In fact, today the it's her 100th episode of her podcast out. So super celebrating. Exciting. Yeah. Coaches adults who want to change their behavior patterns but don't know how. And her ideal clients usually have dissatisfying relationships. They self-sabotage and bend over backwards for others, even if it's to their own detriment. She'll help you improve your relationships, starting with your relationship with yourself, so you feel comfortable in your own skin. The bottom line is that she can help you change your entrenched patterns so you can have a stable, peaceful, and satisfying life. She's especially gifted at helping people build better boundaries and is about to launch her group coaching program, Better Boundaries with Barb. So um, is there anything else that you wanted to add on to that, Barb? Well, I do want to say you called me the queen of boundaries. And mm -hmm. um, it's kind of funny because I'm, I'm actually going to be 58 at the end of this week. And I was 52 when I came into 12-step recovery. for the, So for the first five decades of my life, I didn't have boundaries. And I would say, I don't think I'm an expert on boundaries. I'm an expert on my boundaries. Yeah. And I found that I am very gifted at helping other people to figure out how to develop boundaries. But it's still kind of weird to hear like the queen of boundaries. But um, it happens to be one area that many of my clients have in common. So when I decided to start doing group coaching, it just made total sense to be have that be the area because it's something that I don't really care who you are. Everybody could use some help in the boundaries department, but it's also something that people can name that they need. And that when I talk about it, they're like, yes, but the thing is boundaries affect so many areas of our lives and they're evident in so many areas of our lives. And I'm starting to see them present in more and more places that I don't think I would have recognized previously as, oh, that's a boundary. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think your ability to support others with their boundaries says a lot about the inner work that you've done, right? Absolutely. Because you can Absolutely. take people as deeply as you've taken yourself. And boundaries, it really comes down, and this is like the embodiment piece is like, it, it, you can learn all you want about boundaries, but unless you're in your body, like you're not going to really know how to, right? You can fall into that fawning, people pleasing and like shutting down and all of that. So I'm excited for today's conversation because there's so much to talk about boundaries. Like there's, yeah. I think though, the most thing is that we tend to associate a lot of, 
uh, holding people to boundaries, but what about our own boundaries, right? And it yeah. starts within ourselves and like yeah. how much are we showing up for ourselves? So, yeah. okay. Well, I actually, I do want to make a comment there. You said holding people to boundaries. That That's the most common misconception that I find that people have. People think boundaries are for other people. They're not. Mm -hmm. They're for you. And when you set a boundary, if somebody doesn't hold up to it, that's on you, not them. Because there's a lot of reasons people don't respect our boundaries. Some of it is they forgot because you've never been like that before. Some of it is they are just, they don't know whether to believe you because you've never done it before. Some of it is because they're a jerk uh, and they don't care. Some of it is they don't have their own boundaries. There's a lot of reasons. And so our boundaries are really for us. And one of the metaphors that, that lots of people use with boundaries is this notion of it's a property line and it's a fence with a gate in it. And I love that metaphor because it's a fence with a gate in it. The gate opens on the inside only. I'm the gatekeeper. So if somebody's messing with my boundary, it's up to me to do something about it. And a lot of people think, oh, I'm going to set a boundary and then it's going to be like an electric dog fence and people are going to be like, oh, they're going to know and they're going to just get zapped and they will, they'll respect my boundary. And the hard work of boundaries is not just deciding like where and when and how to set a boundary, but what do I do when someone does pushback behavior? Because most of the time you'll get pushback behavior. Right. And it's usually, I would imagine people who, yeah, don't have the boundaries. That's well, why. it could be, but it could also be that they don't believe you or they forgot because you've never been like that before. So you, right. it's like we're teaching people new rules of how to engage with us. You right. Know? And, and for me, the boundary is I'm deciding what are the borders of Barb? The borders of Barb used to be up for negotiation all the time. So nobody knew like which part of Barb am I getting this time? And now people are pretty clear who they're getting because mm -hmm. I'm clear who I am, my real identity. So my boundary is the actual shape of the authentic Barb. And there's this like iterative process when you're setting boundaries where you have, you must experiment. You, it, it's not like there's a boundary and you have to figure out where it is. You decide. And this embodiment piece that you're talking about is imperative. Because when you have a healthy boundary, you feel comfortable and safe. Mm -hmm. And your body is what tells you that. So what I've learned is when I start setting boundaries, I feel better about myself, which means I feel more worthy of setting a boundary. And so I set more boundaries and then I feel better about myself. And then I can be like, well, wait a minute. You know, I actually don't like that. I thought I liked that, but I don't. And so now I'm like, oh, so my boundary is I don't like that. You know, I don't go to those places anymore or whatever. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. It's a fine retunement of it. And I wonder, you know, I think, too, the, the thing about boundaries is also not getting to the point of where it's so much uh, rigidness with boundaries because mm -hmm. sometimes it could be like right self but I think and this is my opinion because I've worked with clients to around mm -hmm. boundaries is that well in the therapy world mm -hmm. um sometimes you have if you're poor if your boundaries has to been super porous right you got to go to the opposite extreme to really know mm -hmm. how that feels in your body because right. like, you've never really had that so I always remind clients to trust your body and trust mm -hmm. 
that yeah. even if you're setting a boundary that is a real little more rigid, like that's okay because that's what you're needing at the time mm -hmm. for your experience. Yeah. And actually, it's funny that you say that because the first time that I remember actually actively consciously setting a boundary, this was me. Wham! Oops, that was a little bit too hard. But I couldn't know that until I felt what it felt like in my body. And mm -hmm. it felt like that was actually kind of mean. And I don't want to be mean. The only way I could know that was to do it. And now I'm like, oh, that was too hard. I need to kind of back off a little bit. And that's what I was talking about. Like, we have to experiment with boundaries. It's not like you're going to theorize and you're going to come up with like, these are going to be my exact boundaries. You probably have a good idea of what's okay with you and what's not okay with you, but you really must experiment. And so it's something that I can help you and I can guide you with it, but I can't tell you this is what this is what your boundaries should be because your boundaries should be should be determined by your values and what you value, right. not what I value, but what you value. Right, exactly. In which, and it all comes back to a felt experience, right? I mean, really, in being in your intuition and really creating more of that deeper intimacy with yourself, where mm -hmm. like feeling into it like what you said you can't really know mm -hmm. how something feels until you actually experience it right and mm -hmm. i think a lot of times that's where um and then once again if there's anybody that's listening right now for today i'd highly recommend um listening to the safety podcast with mm -hmm. with tracy because so much when our nervous systems are dysregulated with the fight or flight or freeze response that even though we think we're setting boundaries or we want to or we can to, it's because our nervous system is dysregulated. We don't feel safe in the body. So we don't really actually know like how we feel and like what we're needing too, you know? So, yeah. yeah. Um, so I just want to make that reference to anybody listening around that. And I do want to say something about your comment about self intimacy, which I think is really important that most people who have poor boundaries, what, what, what that means is you don't know yourself. You don't know where you end and other people begin. And part of the process of developing boundaries is, is getting to know yourself. And I don't think you can truly have self-intimacy without healthy boundaries. And like, if you are constantly bending over backwards and people pleasing other people and exhausting yourself, rescuing other people, you're constantly in fight or flight mode. You cannot be embodied when you are constantly in fight or flight mode. So you, you, in order to like de dysregulate your system, I don't even know if that's the right word, but to calm down and to be, you know, soothed and calm and, and, yeah. and serene and all that stuff. Um, my experience was I had to start setting boundaries with other people because I, I had to, I had to, um, like protect myself enough to be like, okay, I can breathe and what feels good to me, you know, but I, I had to, but it's, there's this, it's a process. I mean, as, anything about human changing your human behavior, it's all about a process. Yeah, definitely. Okay. So what are the different types of boundaries? You know, uh, you asked me that question ahead of time and I was like, oh my God, I can answer this in so many ways. And I, and so I wrote, I wrote it down cause I'm like, there, there's so many different ways. So right. um, there's emotional, physical, intellectual, time, sexual, and material boundaries. 
Um, so emotional is like how I'm going to allow people to treat me. Physical is like physically, where are you? Intellectual is like, I had people tell me that I was stupid because I didn't know certain things and that that's a violation of my physical boundary time. I'll talk about in a minute, sexual boundary, like what I'm willing to do and what I'm not. And material is like, what's my stuff and what are you allowed to use and touch of my stuff? Um, and then uh, one thing that I teach about is the difference between boundaries of self-containment and the boundaries of self-protection. So self-containment are things I need to like hold on to, stop doing. Some of those are things I need to hold on to or contain or stop doing because they're hurting me. And some of them are harming other people. So an, a boundary of self-containment for myself is the negative self-talk. Like as soon as I realize it, I gotta nip that, I gotta contain that. And a boundary of self-containment that is harmful to other people would be gossip, for example. So when I'm gossiping, I'm spreading chaos. So I need to contain those. And then boundaries of self-protection are, what do I need to keep myself safe from? Or how do I minimize my um, being triggered? I can never go the rest of my life without ever being triggered by anything, but I can minimize that by not going into chaotic environments, not hanging out with toxic people, that sort of thing. And what I found over time is that boundaries of self-containment are also boundaries of self-protection because when I'm not harming myself and when I'm not creating a chaotic environment around me, it protects me to do that. Um, I would also say that there are the kinds of boundaries that keep good things out. Like some people won't let anybody help them or they won't accept love from other people or they won't um, take compliments. So we wanna let those kind of things in and we wanna keep the bad things out. And then we also um, have boundaries around personal resources. So things like love, money, time, and energy. And many people with poor boundaries are like let go of those things. They let other people be in charge of their property of time, money, love, and energy. But sometimes people hold on to them much too tightly. So for example, for me, every money problem I ever had in my entire life was because of codependence, because I was either trying to um, get people to like me, keep up with the Joneses, um, didn't I couldn't have direct communication and didn't feel comfortable saying that's not in my budget or I can't afford that or whatever. And for me, what I realize now that my most precious resources of love, money, time, and energy, time is the most important because I can, I can generate more love, I can generate more money, and I can generate more time, more energy, cannot generate more time. So I used to give my time away to other people all the time and I was exhausted and I didn't have time to care for myself. So now I'm very protective about my time. I leave my ringer off on my phone and I don't get notified for every single app notification. And I chunk my time on my calendar so that I'm doing, you know, I schedule myself because that means I'm in control of my life. So I would say of those boundaries that I just mentioned, the one I have the tightest is my time, but it feels really healthy for me. I know like my sweetheart, he looks at my calendar, he's like, ah! Like to him, it would be a nightmare to be that scheduled. But I'm like, it, it, I thrive in that kind of structure. So 
Those are like a whole ton of different kinds of boundaries, just to give you an idea that it's not like it's one thing that we're talking right. about here. Yeah, no, that's beautiful. I appreciate kind of referencing the different areas. And I think that's what I meant in the beginning when, and I, my languaging probably wasn't clear, but I meant people usually associate boundaries with setting boundaries with others mm -hmm. instead of bound, like boundaries and relationships. That's usually, I think, where people, when they hear about boundaries instead of also like what you're saying, the boundaries with your time, your commitment to yourself, right? Because it's the more that you actually stay committed to what you need for yourself and the boundaries and what you're creating, it's easier than to like set these boundaries for, right. for other people, right? And it same thing right. goes like if you're showing up committed to yourself, you're gonna be able to be committed towards like you said, the 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 values aspect of like the people right. in your life or whatever that's going to look like, right? Right. right. Yeah. yeah. So uh, an example um, of like living up to my values is, you know, um, I used to lie and say, "Oh yeah, I'm happy to do that." <laughs> I mean, right. sometimes I was, but no, I wasn't. And so I was willing to throw my integrity out the window so that someone would like me. And so I, I would say for me, the core of me being able to have healthy boundaries is that I've grown to care more what I think of me than what other people think of me. And that doesn't mean I don't care at all what other people think of me. Of course I do. But I care about being an honest woman of integrity more than I care about giving you the opportunity to possibly like me. And the reality is I was being fake. So even if you liked me, you didn't like the actual me. Right. <laughs> you liked like fake Barb. So so that wasn't the real shape of Barb. You know, I, like I morphed myself around other people in a variety of ways. So it was like, oh, I like what you like, or I'm happy to do that, or I have all the time in the world for you. Those are fake versions of Barb. Parts of those are, are really true to me because I really do want to be kind and helpful. And, and uh, to be perfectly honest with you, I am way more, I give way more service to my community now that I have healthy boundaries than I ever did before. And I called myself a volunteer, volunteer holic before. And here's why. Because I have really healthy boundaries, I take excellent care of myself. I eat very well. I sleep well. I exercise. I meditate. I go outside. So I have a, t and I have lots of conscious contact with my higher power. So I have lots of energy to mm -hmm. give. And when I give, it comes from a place of abundance rather than a place of lack. So it used to be I was helping, 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 helping because I felt like that's what I had to do to get mm -hmm. your attention, to be worthy, to be a good person. And ironically, now that I put myself first and I take really good care of myself, I have so much more to give. And I'm doing it because I'm doing it from a place of abundance, not from a place of lack. So it's, it's really the boundaries. It's so ironic what happens. People think that I'm being selfish if I put myself first. You're actually being selfless when you put yourself first. It is selfless to put yourself first. Oh, you're still there? Oh, my screen went black for a second. No, you're here. I'm just like, amen yeah. to all that bar. I mean, like, really, when you yeah. put yourself first and you energize yourself first, 
then you have, it's like, I just had this metaphor of a garden, like I'm watering my garden and my garden is full. So now I have vegetables and flowers to share with other people, you mm -hmm. know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, it's so true of taking care of yourself. And, you know, the more that you take care of yourself and you uh, hold the boundaries for yourself, there's less chaos, there's less drama, there's less stress, there's less distraction, there's more clarity and ease. And mm -hmm. you end up like being, by, by you being more of who you truly are, you actually end up becoming more of the loving, you know, more loving, more compassionate, more of all those things. And I think we tend to get it the opposite, right? Is mm -hmm. we think, oh, I wanna be kind, I wanna be loving, but no, not at the expense of being your authentic self. Being right. authentic. Well, I mean, when you're lying to people, that's not kind and loving. Right. right? So so here's what I thought. I thought it was nice. Right. Right? I'm nice. You know, no, I was a people pleaser. And when I came to understand people pleasing is dishonest and manipulative. So people pleasing is I'm doing things for you to get you to like me. And when I first came to understand about this whole like lack of boundaries, codependence thing, I remember learning, okay, there's this continuum of helpfulness where on one end we have kindly, uh, functional, um, healthy, helping behavior. And on the other end, we have unhealthy, rescuing, dysfunctional, dysfunctional manipulative behavior. And I was like, okay, I get those two ends of the continuum, right? I know the difference. It's in that middle part. Where do you cross over? So somebody said to me, well, um, the way, like, why are you helping someone? And I, and they were like, are you doing it to, you know, to get them to like you? And I was like, no, no, I don't. And they said, it really has to do with your motives. That's how you know whether you're being helpful versus rescuing. Right. So I was like, no, I'm not doing that. And then over time, I was like, oh, my God, I really am doing it. So until I understood that question, I, until I understood my own motives, that question of motives was not helpful to me. But once I could see it, it was like, oh my God, that's how I know the difference between whether I'm being helpful or rescuing. The other way I know the difference is, are you meeting me halfway? Because if I'm working harder at you than you at your life, at whatever issue is I'm helping you with, that's a rescue mission. So I need people to meet me usually more than halfway, but I used to be like, I'll do like 99%. I just need you to breathe. You know, that's, you just be alive and I'll, you know, I'll help you. And now I'm like, no, you need to actually do some, some action here. And so when I started to understand, oh my God, that people pleasing is dishonest because I'm doing and saying things. Uh, mm -hmm. that I don't really mean to get you to like me. And it's manipulative because I have an end goal in mind, which is you will like me. And ultimately that's like, and I'll be, I'll be okay with myself if you like me, because basically I don't like me. And, and I'm not someone who suffers from low self-esteem and I never have been. I've always kind of liked myself. But then when I did all this work, I realized, my God, there's a lot of gunk in there. Oh my gosh, yeah. The, the wow. self-denial goes deep. Like, oh, huge. It's huge. like, how do you expect, and here's another thing with boundaries, right? It's like going back to separating what's ours versus others, but we're so, when we're not connected to ourselves, when we don't, you know, show up for ourselves, it's so easy to be like, you're not being honest with me. You're not da-da-da-da. Well, are you being honest with you? Because the, to 
the degree, usually a lot of the times we're so focused on other people and what they're doing wrong and what, how they're, you know, I'm like, well, look at yourself. Like, are you doing that? Like, and the denial goes deep. Like this is where it's, and even as you were talking, I was like, you can't even be aware if you're being manipulative unless you're actually being in your body. And like, right. cause like, also the, yes. the, like you're talking about the, the motives is also a felt experience too, because right. if you, you could just be going through the emotion. Right. And this is kind of like with the nervous dysregulation or just being like uppity fight or flight where you're not grounded in your body, where it's like, no, when you begin to get more grounded in your center, in your body mm-hmm. spirit within you and the intuition, right. Yeah. You're like, yeah, right. like yeah. totally not. Yeah, I'm totally being like a uh, manipulative because I can feel my energy pull right. too. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I was a reactor rather than an actor in my life, and I am an actor in my life. What that another way to say that is, I live my life on purpose now. I make decisions. I think through, I make my decisions based on what is important to me and what I value. I always thought I was a value-centered person and my values are really important to me. Well, guess what? One of my values was honesty. You know, that wasn't really working for, I mean, I wasn't, here's another thing. So so you mentioned at the beginning, the name of my podcast is called Fragmented to Whole. Well, the reason it's called Fragmented to Whole is because when I look back at my life before recovery, I couldn't have discerned this at the time, but I can see, I felt like I was a bunch of fragmented pieces that were floating around in space with with space between them, which meant other people's shit could penetrate. And my recovery process, a large part of which has to do with having healthy boundaries was I got rid of the pieces that weren't barb and then the rest of them integrated. And here's why I think I was so fragmented because I had all these masks on these fake versions of me, the version of me that was like, I like the New York Giants. You know, I don't, I don't even like football. Or um, I don't mind going out to diners all the time. Not really. I don't mind a diner from time to time. I'd rather go to a vegetarian restaurant or, or, you know, a fine dining restaurant. Or like, I have all the time in the world for you. No, I actually don't. So I had all these fake versions of me and that's where the fragmentation came from. And so what boundaries helped me do was get rid of the pieces that weren't me, integrate the rest of them, and decide the real shape of Barb. And I, I wish I, I hadn't didn't even think to share graphics with you. I have a couple of graphics that I think depict it really well. Because here's the thing: all of those fake versions of me, there was some core in there that's really true to who I am that belong in the real shape of Barb. But not all of those parts of all those different fake versions of me. And so my boundary has helped me define who am I really? Like what part of the people pleasing is authentic and genuine to me? I care about other people. I want to be kind and good and generous and helpful to other people, but not to my detriment. And that's what I used to do was I did it to my detriment. And I actually crippled some people by them depending so much on me. Yeah. 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 Instead of giving them the space to take responsibility for their own. Right. And yeah. another thing that's just coming up right now is I think we have issues setting boundaries, right? Cause it's, we fear abandonment. We feel, we fear rejection, but the reality is, is, you know, none of all of that, that you're seeking, that's all found within like all that loving acceptance comes from your self love and with God. Right. And the beauty is, is when you begin to actually 
reclaim these parts of yourself that have been split off, fragmented, and you've given other people away and you begin to actually come home within, it's like you begin to actually attract people in your life that are going to honor you and like will have their boundaries. Absolutely. Oh my gosh. It's like, so it's so much what you're actually seeking is like it, the, the, the relief of people, um, honoring you because they honor themselves and it's like, cool. Like we're going to meet, we're going to meet in a place of honoring each other. And it's not going to be this drama of projection of like, well, you don't care about me or because there's no time for that. There's crystal clarity in the truth, you know, of who you are and the truth of who I am. Right. Yeah. I, um, I want to say a couple of things about some things you just said. Like one, when you said the word abandonment, that totally resonates with me. And what I found is that when I stop abandoning myself, right. I stop being afraid of abandonment because yeah. I don't need you. I want you, but I don't need you the way that I used to because I'm not being abandoned anymore by me. So I'm not afraid of abandonment. And then when you double that with a higher power, like, oh my God, totally yeah. not abandoned. Oh, yeah. The other thing I wanted to say was, um, you, you said something earlier about like going outside of yourself and being involved in other people's business. And I think one of the reasons that I was constantly rescuing other people was so I wouldn't have to look at my own shit. Yes. Right? And so like having healthy boundaries means you're actually looking at yourself and being real with yourself. And um, and one other thing I do want to say is that, you know, you were just talking about the way that we're attracting other people. So I am for the first time in my entire life in an incredibly healthy, loving, intimate relationship. And um, my sweetheart, one of the things that attracted me the most to him when I met him was he had excellent boundaries. I knew who I was getting. And listen to one of the first things he said to me when we started dating. He said to me, Barb. I wish for you the full expression of yourself. And I was like, who is this man? Because basically what I've been told my whole life is you need to back that off. You're too much. And that's actually a a affirmation that I ended up coming up with on my own because I realized like my core issue was I'm too much. And so my affirmation is I'm just the right amount of everything. And for those of you who have low self-esteem, that's also a really good affirmation for you too. Because I think those who think that we're not enough and those who think that we're too much, it's really just the other side of the coin. It's basically, Mm -hmm. I'm not the right amount of whatever. And Mm -hmm. you are the right amount of whatever because you were born perfect. And uh, you were born for love and for joy. Yes, amen to that. Amen. And as you're talking, it's like, but the reality is, is in those of you listening, it involves grief work. Okay. Like a lot of that of where Absolutely. you're giving your power away, it requires you sitting with yourself and feeling it. Okay. And that's what we're running from. That's what we don't exactly. want to look at. We don't want to sit yeah. with ourselves and feel the, feel the anger, feel the sadness, feel the loneliness, feel the void, feel the grief. I mean, it's only, that's how we end up coming back more home to ourselves. Well, and so feel it and release it though. It's yeah. not feeling it and dwelling it because no. I was a crier my whole life. And w- one of the things that I've learned is when we release the burden of unexpressed grief, we become free to move out of the past. And I realized that it used to be that when I was crying, I was crying about whatever the thing was that caused me to cry and then all of the stuff from the past, but I didn't understand. And so a lot of the work that I've done has been really looking at my actual patterns and the things that I was doing 
and how I got to be this way. And so when I grieved those things and I really looked at the truth of what was happening, I released it. And so now I'm not a crier anymore. It doesn't mean I don't cry, but I don't, I'm not like crying about everything all the time. And most of the time now when I cry, I'm crying because I'm so moved by how loving something is. Yeah, no, I think you make a good point about not drowning in the emotion. And that's what embodiment's about. It's learning to be, mm-hmm. getting out of your head, getting out of the stories, dropping back to the felt sense, mm-hmm. whether that's through, I'm a big like supporter of breath work, movement, dance, creativity, because you move through it instead of getting like lost in it, you know? Right. Um, yeah. When it comes to trauma, they say, you know, the issues are in our tissues. Yeah. We have to move to get it out of our tissues. You know, yoga is a very important part of my life. I also try to, I do yoga, at least I tell myself I do it three times a week. I don't, not since quarantine, I haven't done it two times, but right. I do it. Well, I do yoga classes two times a week, but I have a little five minute routine every morning and every night that I do that was made a lot easier by buying another yoga mat and putting next to my bed. But I also walk every day. I need to move this body. Mm-hmm. I need to get that stuff out of me. And I had to do, I did some trauma release exercises. I did tapping. I did, you know, all that kind of stuff because the issues are in our tissues and we need to get it out of our tissues. And that's what, you know, the feelings are, are physical sensations that will be released. And mm-hmm. we've been holding on to them by being in fight or flight mode all the time. Yep. And we tend to think, though, we're such a talk, a talk based society that we also think we got to just talk, 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 talk it over and over and over and the stories and the stories and the stories. And although stories are important, right, it's important. Like you got to tell your story, but you don't also got to like stay in it so much, you know, sometimes like you could just move through it. um, And this is where the beingness comes in. Right. Um, In that. So, okay, so. How would someone, um, like, how do you suggest somebody just like begins to set boundaries for themselves? Um, I think like setting them with yourself. Uh, So I'll give you an example of one of the first things that I did. So I had this ex-boyfriend who would still contact me and I worked in an office at the time. And like, let's just say I went to go check my personal email and he emailed me. Well, I would open it immediately and I would be so pissed off at him because he interrupted my day. And because I was starting to set boundaries, I started to realize, well, wait a minute, he's not interrupting my day. I'm the one that opened the email. So the idea that I didn't have to open the email was just completely astonishing to me. It was like, Mm -hmm. wait, what? So I would say if someone like emails you or text message you or calls you and you don't really, I call it having the psychic space to deal with it at the time. Don't take the call. Don't open the email. Don't read the text message. Just like that's the good boundary for yourself. And, you know, sometimes what's going to happen is you're going to have feelings. That's really important because they're going to tell you what the issue is. Because maybe you feel like, oh my God, I'm a horrible person if I don't do it. Or maybe you're going to feel like, what are they going to do without me? Or some other such thing. That's important information for you to understand about yourself and why you're doing it. And the other thing I would say, I learned that having, uh, I'll call them boundary buddies, like people that are on your side that are going to tell you the truth, like emotionally safe and healthy Mm -hmm. people are really important. But if you don't have good boundaries, you might not have any of those people in your life. 
Um, but just having someone who's on your side and it's going to tell you the truth when you're being a jerk, you know, they'll be like, listen, that was uncalled for, you know, you need people who say stuff like that to you, but someone who can like either metaphorically or physically hold your hand. Like I had these women I was working with and they were like, keep your fingers away from the keyboard. Like don't reply to him. Yeah. Someone to bounce stuff off of. And the other thing is when, when you're going, I think like to carry this, um, boundary buddy thing even further one of the other things i found that was really helpful to me and i don't think i understood until years later how helpful it was was when setting difficult boundaries having someone that was with me to process my difficult emotions about setting the boundary before i set it mm -hmm. then i go and i set the boundary and then i reconnect with that person we call that book ending so i bookend the boundary setting with a safe, healthy other person, I process my difficult emotions before and after with them, not with the person I'm setting the boundary with. Because mm -hmm. I, I, especially if it's a really difficult one and it's new for me, I don't wanna be like, you know, like vomiting all of my words on them. I wanna save that for my safe and healthy other person who is going to affirm me that I'm doing the right thing, that I deserve to do this, that I'm not a bad person, they're going to help me think through the right words. Here's the other thing. Now, we talked about abandonment before. I think that for me, when I started setting boundaries, one of the reasons it was so difficult was I didn't have models of healthy separation growing up. To me, setting a boundary was like abandonment. So when I have this safe, healthy other person who's with me, even if they're not there with me when I go to set the boundary, psychically... I know I'm not alone and I'm not being abandoned. And here's the thing about abandonment. It doesn't matter whether you leave the relationship or they leave you, you still feel abandoned because they were there and they're not. It doesn't matter who initiates it when they're there and then they're not, it still feels like abandonment. Same thing with boundaries. Even though you're the one setting the boundary, it can still feel like abandonment, especially if like me, you had no models for healthy separation. You didn't know what that looked or felt like. But if you have this boundary buddy who can be there with you, who even if when you're consciously, like when you're setting the boundary, if consciously you're not aware, like so and so, like, like Artemis is there and she's going to be there when I get back, subconsciously you know I'm not alone, I'm not abandoned, yeah. I have somebody with me. I would you, say that having other people and starting really small with things for yourself are really where it's at in terms of getting started. No, yeah, you make a really good point in that. Um, I think when we're not used to setting boundaries, it could be so not obviously with ourselves, but with with others, we will want to hash it out and just like create more just more chaos, really. Right. When the boundaries for you to set to not have to explain yourself, that's nothing. You don't got to explain yourself when setting a boundary, you know, mm -hmm. but that's the part of like the space right after, after setting it, which I really love you're sharing about the accountability, having that support right. that is really going to help you step more fully into, into mm -hmm. yourself and knowing right. it, it is safe, you know, right. yeah. until you begin to practice setting boundaries more and more and you realize, okay, you feel safer within yourself that you can right. hold yourself. Because you know that you will show up for yourself and you will stand right. up for yourself and you're not going to cave in. Like I used to cave all the time, right. you know, for other people. And, and I don't do that anymore. You know, yeah. I, I show up for myself and I do want to say something about 
Like you don't have to explain yourself. You actually don't have to explain yourself. You can choose to explain yourself to certain people, but there's a huge difference between setting a boundary with a really toxic person and a normal everyday person. Right. right? A really toxic person, you probably have to be a dick. You have to be like, no, I said no, and I meant no. It's very rare that you're gonna have to do things like that. But if you have toxic people in your life, you have to do that and no is a complete sentence. Right. Normal everyday people, you know, there's a little bit more flexibility. But you're gonna decide for yourself, the better you get at setting boundaries, when and where do I feel like I want to explain myself? But it's a choice. You get to decide if and when you want to, but you don't ever have to. But in your own mind to yourself, you should understand why am I setting this boundary here, there, at this time, blah, blah, blah. Right, and going back to you know, what are my intentions? If I'm reaching out to this person initiating contact, what are my intentions? You know, is it, you know, with setting the boundaries, is it just to get the last word and to keep passionate on over and over? Is that really going to benefit me? Like, or do I need to stop the contact and just put the boundary as it is? Right. Right. So we have just about a little under five minutes. So, um, why don't we just making this one really, just really brief, like, what would you say are some barriers to boundaries? Uh, I'd say the number one is if you feel like you're a piece of crap, then you're not going to set boundaries because it's for you and it's self-care. Um, I would say the number two is, uh, and they're neck and neck, guilt and shame. They usually come as a package together. And that could be your own guilt and shame that you've internalized from the, you know, your growing up experience, or it could be guilt and shame laid on you by other people. And I would say that's the number one reason why people cave and doing boundaries because the guilt and shame is paralyzing to them. Um, and this is one reason why having healthy, safe others is really helpful for them to affirm to you, like you are not a bad person. You are a decent person. You deserve to have your needs met. You deserve to not be walked all over, you know, that sort of thing. Um, one thing I learned is that like the guilt and shame that I felt because I come from a dysfunctional family, which is an intergenerational pattern. And that it's like, I think of it as almost, it was guilt and shame literally poured down into me from previous generations. And that's why it's so out of proportion. And um, I literally, cause I experienced shame and guilt is coming down like this just horrendous, like waterfall of awful internal and external chemicals. So I, this was, this is me, not, my shame, you know, like pushing against it. And I cannot tell you what magic that was for me, Artemis. I had this incredible experience that that literally turned everything around for me because I felt guilty and shameful for um, proactively taking care of a financial situation when I got laid off. I was calling my creditors ahead of time to say, you know, my income's going to decrease by half what can I do? I got off the phone and I started sobbing and I was like, what is this? And I went, Oh my God, this is shame. And I'm like, wait a minute. I'm being a mature adult. I'm being proactive and I'm being financially responsible and I feel shame. And that's when I remembered, Oh, it's not my shame. It's the shame of the generations that came before me. Mm -hmm. So when I was like, it mattered, you know, that, that physical, the physical, like I set a boundary with the shame. Oh my God. I just realized that. I put yeah. a boundary around it. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's beautiful. beautiful. And, and I know we don't really have 
to it, but like there's so much to be said and setting the boundary with her inner critic, right? When it's just, it's going and going like, no, like stop, I'm not gonna entertain this, right? Mm -hmm. Okay, so before we have you um, share with where listeners can follow up with you, what is just one last bit piece you'd like to share about boundaries that you'd like readers to take away? Hmm, that's a really tough one. Um, I think um, you deserve to have boundaries. That, that I think that's the bottom line. Every single person deserves to have healthy boundaries and you can actually develop them. I'm living proof. You know, it's never too late. You're never too old. You know, nobody is beyond hope or healing or help. It's it's not too late and you can do it. Even if you've tried to set boundaries before and you haven't been able to do it, you can do it. I think that would be the message I would give people. Awesome. So how how about you also sharing as we wrap up, like where can um, listeners hear about you? And I know you also have a program um, coming up too. Yeah, so yeah, really excited about that. So um, I spend more time on Instagram than anywhere else at Higher Power Coaching. I'm also on Facebook at Higher Power Coaching. I uh, am the host of Fragmented to Whole Life Lessons from 12-Step Recovery, which you can find on just about any podcast outlet or fragmentedtowhole.com. And uh, I am launching my uh, next upcoming round of 12 weeks uh, group coaching program, Better Boundaries with Barb. It starts on April 6th. And you can find out more about that at higherpowercc.com slash betterboundaries. And right now, um, actually this week is the um, early bird special. So the course is $1,200 for 12 weeks. It's a $3,000 value. And there, I do have payment plans available. If you uh, book a call with me this week about it, then the early bird special is that you also get a complimentary one-on-one 55-minute -on -one coaching session with me, which is $150 value. So would love to hear from you. Also, if you're an emailer, barb at higherpowercc.com. That's awesome. I'm so excited for you. I'm also excited that for your hundredth uh, podcast. Episode. I know it's it's. I listened to it yesterday for the first time since we recorded a couple weeks ago, and I cried three times. It was so moving. I I also want to say, Artemis, in preparation for this, I listened to all your episodes before we came here today, and I'm now following your three previous guests because they're totally right up my alley. I've loved every single thing you said. I loved everything they said. So I'm so grateful that you invited me on here because I don't know that I would have listened to your podcast, but I was like, well, I need to find out like, what are they talking about and all that stuff. And I was like, yes, 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 yes. So just keep up the great work. I'm really excited for you. And I'm so honored that, you know, I'm one of the first few people that you invited on. This is just such an incredible opportunity. And I've really appreciated getting to learn more about you and hear more about your style and all that. And I'll, I'll definitely keep following you. Yeah, I appreciate that, Barb. As you know, it's God, right? It's like yeah, absolutely right in alignment and all of that. Absolutely. So, um, thanks everybody who's been listening. I do have another uh, surprise tea chat this Friday with a dear sister. Where um, I'm really excited. She does a lot of women's empowerment um, talks, and and in especially in. Uh, 
women of color communities. So I'm really excited to invite her on too. She, we're also gonna be talking about dreams and how that relates to your authentic self. So definitely join this Friday for that. But thank you for listening and take care. Thanks.